live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in the heart of the Ohio Valley. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Well, I must be waking up. Uh, I'm you, this morning I was... I wasn't sure. I missed my alarm this morning. Uh, you got up late, right? Yeah, I messed up uh, everything this morning because I slept in. But uh, I think I'm, I'm almost, if only we'd had some Pepsi here, it might have given me an extra jolt. But Howard, we are off the Pepsi. Come on, uh, Howard. Let me, let me just point out, I was with you yesterday at the Wheeling Island Casino <laughs> Hotel and Restaurant tell, could you? Buffet, <laughs> and our server, Michael, I think brought us both about six Pepsis, if I'm correct about that, so... There's no sense in just lying to the audience. It's just we're not drinking here in the morning. At least I'm not drinking here. In the, well, you're, neither one of us drinking here in the morning. I'm down to the last little bit of my S. Pellegrino as well. Uh, it is a 9, 10, 10 minutes after the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. 30 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 29 at the Highlands, 31 in Elm Grove, and 28 degrees here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. It's going to be a partly cloudy day today. Some rain could come in this afternoon. Daytime high will be up to around 50 or so. In general, a cloudy week with rain most days. Highs in the mid-40s most of the week. Again, a giant question mark around tomorrow morning. Tonight, going to see the rain coming in and into the nighttime hours. And then uh, the folks at the Big 7 say, it kind of depends on the cold fronts, the air fronts, where they come, etc. We could have a wintry mix in the morning, and it could have impact on our travel, or maybe not. So just have to keep an eye on Storm Tracker 7 to see what, uh, what is happening there. Much of our conversation this morning has been on the Super Bowl. Did you not have something you wanted to pop in with the Super Bowl? do, Howard, and thank you. I was uh, fighting the computer. I messed things up this morning. Bright and early, I criticized Tony uh, Romo for, for misspeaking yesterday uh, because of the Super Bowl, and I was corrected. Thank you, Jerry. Because as the clock was ticking, 13 seconds left in overtime, I'm thinking they're going to run out of time. They got timeouts, call timeout. I was wrong. Because that was their very first possession and only possession – it would have went to an over, another overtime because that was their first possession. So I totally screwed that up this morning. Tony Romo was exactly right. If that if it would have ran out of time, they would have done just left them right there and went to a second overtime simply because they did not have a full possession. Okay. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Yeah. Well, these, this is only the. It's the first time I think. Second time for overtime for in the history the of the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. I was unclear. I mean, I didn't. I, all I knew is what they had told me on TV because I don't know anything. Although I do have, you know, amongst all the many Super Bowl stats I have, uh, one of the most Googled things yesterday evening was 
Super Bowl overtime rules. <laughs> once yeah, on what's overtime. going on here? Don't listen to Slatter on Sports. That guy don't know what he's talking Everybody's about. Everybody's trying, uh, trying to figure it out. If you have just joined us, I do want to remind you that uh, we had, I think, some good stuff this morning. David Croft, Ohio County School Board My member, was here. was good. <laughs> well, he, and he brought us good food, too. Uh, we were talking about the uh, possibility of a late starter, later start time at William Park High School. Research says that kids who start school later, high school kids, uh, do better. And the Ohio County Schools have been kicking this around for a couple of years. They're going to talk about it again tonight at their school board meeting. A lot of uh, complaints from, from public, you know, I didn't have to go. It worked for me. It worked for my kids. Why do we have to change anything now? Um, but uh, David says they're going to keep on talking about it and come up with some plans for that. If you wanted to hear the conversation, a reminder, all of our shows are podcast at watchdognetwork.com or on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and the simplest way to get to the Apple Podcast page, go to my Facebook page, and the link is right there. Also, last hour we talked with um, uh, Joshua Dyke and uh, Melissa um, Merkowitz, who have written a piece in the Conversation newsletter about how everything is politics anymore. Even your Super Bowl party snacks were defined by politics. Check that out on our podcast page. Now, I want to keep talking about politics for a minute here or two here. Um, Bob, you worked in and around Chicago for a while, right? I did. I love the city. It, it reminded me, Howard, a, a bigger version of Pittsburgh and no nonsense. If, if you're looking for it, you'll find it right there because I'm not saying they have a chip on their shoulder. They just don't take any, any lip. For a long time, it was uh, it was the fiefdom of the Dailies. Two Richard Dailies were mayor for, I think, over 40 years between the two of them. I could be wrong about that, and I'll ask my guests about that in a minute. Uh, and then came a variety of other Democratic mayors that kind of changed some of the complexion of the city. We're talking with Dick Gibson this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show, who is a professor emeritus and former head of the Department of Poli-Sci at the University of Illinois at Chicago, also was a Chicago alderman, a congressional candidate, uh, who has a new book out called Chicago's Modern Mayors. Professor, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Howard. Glad to be with you. So, first of all, am I right? The dailies had like 40-some years between the two dailies, right? Yeah, they both, uh, the first Daly uh, was mayor, uh, Richard J. Daly in the 50s, was mayor for 21 years. The uh, second Daly uh, was uh, even exceeded his father and uh, was mayor for 22 years. Uh-huh. And then, and then what happened after that? So after that, we had a very big change uh, in Chicago. Um, the, we go back just a little before uh, Richard M. Daley. The, the first African-American mayor elected in Chicago was Harold Washington mm-hmm. in 1983. And uh, we have essentially two kinds of mayors. We have establishment builder mayors like the Daley's. They did things like uh, Richard J. renovated the loop after World War II and brought Chicago back from deindustrialization. Richard M. Daley uh, moved us uh, to a city of spectacle where host of many conventions and many people uh, like you all have come and visited our city one time or another and stayed for a bit. Um, that builds our tourism. And uh, Richard M. Daly rebuilt the lakefront, uh, Museum Campus, Millennium Park, Navy Pier. So they built up the city, but they were part of a political machine. Um, Harold Washington was a political reformer, good government reformer, and progressive well before the modern times. 
And we've had a series of progressive mayors since, most recently Lori Lightfoot and now Brandon Johnson. So we oscillate back and forth between the establishment builder mayors and the reformers, both good government reformers, getting rid of patronage and, and favoritism and corrupt contracts, and progressives. Is there one of those types that is better for the city than the other, or is it good that you have a, alternate, if you will? Uh, in many ways, it's good. Um, you know, they're achieving different goals. The progressive mayors are trying to get some equity. Uh, uh, we have declined in the middle class in Chicago. We used to have 48% of our census tracts were middle class. Now there's only 16%. So we have some big pockets of poverty and problems, and the progressive mayors try and tackle those. The builder mayors try and help businesses build up, and that provides tax money to do those progressive things. In this day and age where everybody sees things through a political prism, when you say progressive mayors, I know a lot of the hackles go up on some of our audience who say, wait a minute, that's the problem with society today. We have too many progressive mayors. But actually the progressive mayors of Chicago brought about some positive change, yes? Yes, they did. Um, first of all, both of the progressives, the several progressive mayors that we've had, uh, were first of all good government reformers. They tried to create honest, fair, effective, efficient government uh, producing services for the lowest price for the taxpayers. In addition, uh, something some folks in West Virginia will be uh, familiar with, uh, we are corrupt. Uh, we're the most corrupt city in the nation and the third most corrupt state. And uh, our corruption tax, that is the cost of us being corrupt, is more than $500 million a year. So the progressive mayors have helped undermine that and make more money available for public good uh, than going into the pockets of politicians. You have to help me with politics in Chicago. Is, is it a strong mayor kind of government, or is there a council that has some sort of oversight of the mayor? What's the relationship between the council and the mayor? So we do have, by tradition, a strong mayor, weak council government. The laws are different. They say the council should be stronger, but the actual practice is a strong mayor. Think of a president or a governor in uh, the kind of reach that the mayor has. Uh, none, and, and the dailies, for instance, and our other uh, builder mayor, Rahm Emanuel, it was a rubber stamp city council. If the mayor said the sun didn't come up this morning, even if it did, the city council would vote yes, the sun didn't come up this morning. Uh, we've since begun to develop something more like a legitimate um, legislative branch with some checks and balances, the aldermen introducing much more legislation on their own, not just waiting for the mayor to act. And that's been basically a positive step. Uh, and that's tended to be fostered under uh, the good government reformers and progressive mayors. I, I want, I'm jumping around here a little bit, Professor. Uh, Rahm Emanuel, was he a good mayor? I, you know, I, I think I, he comes to my mind because I followed him during his time in the White House and so on and then moved over to, to the mayor of Chicago. So it's a name that I'm fairly familiar with. Uh, was he a good mayor? Uh, he was in that builder establishment mayor tradition. Uh, Richard M. Daly had made us the first part of being a global city. Rahm Emanuel essentially put that on steroids. He helped bring in the new businesses and the tech era. 
and some incubators uh, that produce new business. Uh, he continued building out what Richard M. Daly had started in the lakefront improvement uh, that has made Chicago so beautiful today. Uh, so, again, it depends on how you go about scoring the mayors. He had a rubber stamp city council. He didn't suffer fools. Uh, he was combative. One of the costs of Rahm Emanuel was he closed six mental health clinics and 50 public schools. So it sort of depends on how you're looking at the mm-hmm. Rahm Emanuel era, but he does fit the builder, establishment mayor um, mold. Lori Lightfoot was a very different kind of mayor for Chicago. Um, and again, image from the outside looking in is that she was, she was a bit of a weak mayor. Well, she won all her votes in the city council, which is always one of the tests of whether a mayor is strong or not, which okay. means she got to put her program uh, into place. She became combative, and that's why she lost the reelection. Uh, but the, among the things she did was something uh, that was very important, very innovative. It could be done in West Virginia as well. She had a program called Invest Southwest which made major investments in the poorest communities and built them. The purpose was to build them up economically so that we would have a balanced development, not only the downtown loop, uh, but also in the poorest neighborhoods. But those projects take a long time to bring online. Uh, the money, uh, the original money was spent. The projects were started, but most of them weren't finished during her mayorality. Uh, they will be an important step forward for Chicago in the years to come. Uh, but they didn't get completed. They couldn't be uh, during her term in office. We were talking with uh, Professor Emeritus Dick Gibson this morning. His book is called Chicago's Modern Mayors, and it's really a good book to read. I mean, if, you're, if you like politics, if you just want to get a sense of the city of Chicago uh, over a variety of different mayors, I, it's quite an interesting book. I, I want to say that. I, I, I enjoyed that. But let me ask you this, Professor, what um, are there lessons the rest of us can learn? You've given a couple of suggestions about things West Virginia could learn, but are there, are there lessons from the Chicago mayors that could translate to the rest of the country, to other cities? Yeah, I think there are four or five. The first is the one I've spoken to a, a bit, is that you need both kinds of political leaders, let's say governors of West Virginia, or mayors of uh, the, the larger cities of West Virginia. Um, that is, you need both establishment builder leaders and you need reformers, particularly good government progressive reformers. And secondly, there is a social economic development that happens at the same time. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. In the case of Chicago, we move from a manufacturing to a service to a global economy. Um, but despite that, we still had a racial and economic inequality and income gap. So the, this is happening underneath whatever is going on in the political arena. Uh, third thing that happened in Chicago is whites are no longer the dominant racial group. Uh, we have whites, uh, blacks, and Latinos are essentially each about a third of the city's population. Mm-hmm. What that means is there has to be a coalition to govern. Uh, that at least two of the three racial groups have to join together to elect a mayor and a city council. And last of all, uh, transforming the legislative bodies into something more than a rubber stamp is important for the future because you get more ideas, you get a check and balance, 
And overall, we think that by documenting this 40-year history and what we learn from it, we're better positioned to make good choices in the future. Professor, you've written a number of books. Um, I love the title of one of them, um, Democracy's Rebirth of View from Chicago and Corrupt Illinois. I, I just I like the title of that. But you've written a number of books. What, what sent you off to a book on Chicago's mayors? Well, I've been, um, I actually originally studied African politics back when I first became a professor. Uh, but I became involved in American politics in the 1968 Democratic National Convention period. I was a statewide campaign manager for Eugene McCarthy. And then I ran for alderman and I ran for Congress. I served as alderman for eight terms and I, I moved my focus to uh, urban politics because that's where I live. And uh, uh, that's been important to me for now 50 years. And I've documented how Chicago has changed and evolved over all that time. The 68 convention must have been an interesting one to be at. Yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't inside the convention. My job was at that point, after we had run delegate candidates, uh, was to get the delegates for McCarthy to the convent, to the hotel and to the convention. So we were uh, supporting the McCarthy delegates um, as they struggled within the convention and uh, eventually lost out. Uh, but there were a lot of lessons learned, particularly in the elections before the convention, uh, when we were uh, very much defeated by the Dem Richard J. Daley Democratic machine and then came back to change political history in Chicago by electing people who were independent. That convention was a black mark in many ways for Chicago in the eyes of the general public. Yes, uh, we came back some under Richard M. Daley with a successful 1996 convention, and we're now hosting the 2024 convention, which we hope will be productive and not uh, like the the. Uh, Terrible clashes of 68. I was telling the audience uh, a couple of days ago as I was promoting that you were coming on. I remember watching the 68 convention, and um, my one of my vivid memories is NBC newsman John Chancellor being arrested live on the air as he signed <laughs> off. This is John Chancellor, NBC News, on my way to jail. I just, it just that, that image is always stuck in my mind as an example of what what that chaos of that convention must have been like. It was very chaotic, both inside and outside. Um, uh, in Grant Park, there were 5,000 demonstrators, and it uh, provoked what was uh, called by the later commission, National Commission, a, a police riot, a clash with the police. Inside, there was a clash between um, the forces of the status quo that had supported Lyndon Johnson and were then backing Hubert Humphrey and the McCarthy-McGovern and would have been Kennedy delegates, but Kennedy had been assassinated. It was a wild and woolly event. Um, I think our November election may be a lot like it uh, this coming year, uh, but hopefully the conventions will be more peaceful. Yeah, I don't think the conventions are going to be too bad. I, the election itself could be, God help us, I don't know. Um, Professor, appreciate your time this one. Again, I want to. I highly recommend the book to our listeners, Chicago's Modern Mayors. I, I read it. I think it's interesting. It's a good book. Uh, if, you, if you're into politics, if you're into Chicago, if you want to get not just sort of the political perspective, but I don't know, you know, kind of an understanding of what the town is like and the people are like under these various mayors. But I appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate the work you did. Thank you very much. And 
you know, I may uh, touch base with you again as time goes by. I appreciate it. That would be wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Uh, Dick Gibson, Dick Simpson, pardon me, is a professor emeritus and former head of the Department of Political Science at the University of Illinois at Chicago and a former Chicago alderman and congressional candidate. And he's written quite a number of books, but this is current one. Chicago's Modern Mayors from Harold Washington to Lori Lightfoot. Almost 9.30 in the morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. We've made it through, pal. I'm, I'm, wasn't sure I was going to make it at uh, 7 o'clock this morning, but we've done, we've done pretty good. Um, time to take a quick break. Ohio Valley headlines from Taylor Long. No, oh, no, we have, a, we, have a new, we have a commercial break first. Well, you want to do both? What do we want to do? Well, let's do a commercial break, and while it's running, we'll decide. Okie doke. Judge Ron Wilson was born and raised his family here in West Virginia. He is the most experienced judge in our mountain state. During his years serving the citizens of Hancock, Brook, and Ohio counties, Judge Wilson was selected to sit on the Supreme Court, was voted Judge of the Year, and was selected in 2023 for judicial excellence. Let's keep Judge Ron Wilson. I'm Judge Ron Wilson, and I respectfully ask for your vote. Paid for by the committee to keep Ron Wilson judge. Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I-70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. Don't just listen, be part of all of our shows. Use the Frio Stack Auction Service Hotline. Call or text us at 304-214-1600. The Frio Stack Auction Service Hotline. Your direct connection to the watchdog. Over the past five years, Matt Jones Pre-Owned Auto has helped over 1,500 hardworking Ohio Valley residents obtain financing on the vehicle of their dreams. We have experienced tremendous growth, which has allowed us more financing to further help our fellow residents. From second chance finance to very competitive rates and terms, Matt Jones Pre-Owned Auto has it all with inventory to fit everyone's needs. That's Matt Jones Pre-Owned Auto, your largest independent area used car depot in the Respects Plaza in Elm Grove. Like us on Facebook, check out our website, mattjonespreowned.com, or give us a call, 304-905-8302. Information, interviews, debates, and discussion, plus an occasional rant with Bob Slider behind the board. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Yes, it's been quite a summer Rent a cars and westbound trains And now you're off on vacation Something you tried to explain 9.32, 28 to the hour, Watchdog Morning Show 30 degrees pretty much across the board 30 at the airport, 30 at the Highlands uh, 30 in my backyard in Elm Grove And 30 degrees here the Watchdog Radio Network Studios, partly cloudy today. We'll get up to around 50, uh, as that's the forecast at least from the Big 7 at Storm Tracker 7. Uh, we'll look for a cloudy week most of the week, rain most days, daytime highs most of the week will be in the mid-40s. We are looking for rain to come in this evening and overnight, and could the rain turn to snow? Maybe. Uh, could we have a wintry mix and a little bit of traffic problems in the morning? Maybe. 
Or will it be a perfectly beautiful morning tomorrow and we'll just drive with no trouble? Maybe. Will Howard be broadcasting from home tomorrow morning? I got my. I got the. That was your cue for maybe. 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 It is indeed a maybe. That's absolutely for sure. Uh, for sure, maybe. Uh, for sure, maybe. What were so we started out talking about the Super Bowl, and um, that's our first hour basically, basically uh, about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl game, Super Bowl ads, Super Bowl entertainment, Taylor Swift. By the way, I'm not a Swifty. As you know, there are a couple of her songs I like. That, that Christmas song was Christmas Tree Farm. I love that song. Um, I think she's fine. Nancy and I watched the movie version of the Eras Tour. It was just a movie about you know, the actual tour filmed. I got to tell you a couple of things. First of all, she's really good. I mean, I I, I can't I just get. She's really a good singer. Three hours. How she kept this up. The energy level that she had, she was on stage the whole time. And the production values of this show were amazing. I looked it up. It cost about 15 to $20 million to produce, just to put the show together. I think my son was the one who said, Billy Joel decides he wants to have a concert, Bob. So he goes to an auditorium, and he has a piano and maybe a little backdrop, a couple of lights, right? But this Eras tour, they had a giant snake that came out and you know crawled through the audience, and she was up and down on different stages. And they had, I mean, just, it was amazing. She jumped into a swimming pool at one point. I don't even know how she did that. It was a really, I, not a, I'm not a giant fan, but man, that was a good. It was a great concert. Can I make a Swifty prediction? Yes, sir. It's over. She's done. I think her and Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey, are over. Oh, I. I that doesn't surprise me. You I know, don't. the season's over. He was probably a little superstitious, didn't want to, you know, end anything during the year. He just had a tough year. He don't want that. He don't want her hanging around anymore, Howard. He <laughs> wants to, he's going he's to enjoy his offseason. Yeah, could be. Super Bowl hero, you know. Two weeks. Two weeks and they're kaput. Well, I, regardless of, of the Super Bowl or anything else, I just felt like it was probably one of those romances, celebrity romances that would come and would go. Uh, I don't know when it would go, but I, it doesn't surprise me. I don't know. Yeah, a year from now, let me put it this way: uh, if Kansas City is back in the Super Bowl next year, and if Kelsey is with the Super Bowl, I don't think Taylor will, wore off. Taylor will be. She won't won't be there next. But time. then again, I mean, I'm a, susp- a superstitious person. Are you superstitious? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, they're going to want to go for that three. Why do you think no- I have this underwear on? No, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's ever done it before. So they're in the NFL loves it, and you know, I think everybody's going to love it, but him, and he's going to say, you know what? There's a lot more fish out there. Yeah, she's a great singer, and I kind of wore that out this year, but nah, I'm going to move on. He got some flack. Again, I a lot of this I get from Facebook. He got a lot of flack. He got up in Andy Reid's face yesterday. Did you see that? He did, and I meant to talk about that. And to, to show you what a real pro Andy Reid is, he just he kind of took it. I bet he didn't like it, and I bet if you had a mic on Andy Reid, he kind of told him in some choice words what to do and to get back from him. But, yeah, to me, again, that's a selfish teammate. I mean, for, that, the, for those who didn't see it, Kelsey is right up. St- stuff on his foot, too, I believe. Right up in his face. Somebody suddenly pushed him right up in his he face. Got physical. Just, I mean. Contact. Screaming. And just a miserable, you know, his face is contorted, yelling at Andy Reid. Andy Reid's just there like, mm-hmm, okay, well, I hear you. And I believe the, 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 the play before uh, – uh, Kelsey was not on the field. It was it was a play design where he was not uh, one of the eleven offensive guys on the field, 
and there was a fumble or something bad happened, and he just went berserk on the sideline. I think that if that gets a little bit more viral, I think that will. If you do that to Vince Lombardi or a Chuck Knoll yeah. or Don Shola, you're in the locker room. I don't care who you are. But I give Andy Reid credit. He handled about as good as you could. You know, you're on screen. People are pictured you and take. You don't you don't engage. Andy Reid is looking straight ahead, like I'm watching. I'm I'm getting the next play ready while he's being screamed at in his ear. I suspect. There is follow-up to that at some point. Yeah, when they have a little get-together today, I, I think that would come up. And the week before that, he slammed a helmet. I think he shattered a helmet on the sidelines. Again, I, I mean, I, I know everybody out there wants to win, but just think if everybody behaved like that. You'd have total chaos on the sideline. You can't. You just can't do that. Right. You know, the, I mean, look, the reality is some of the players in general in sports anymore are bigger than the coaches. But you have to sort of – I hate to say know your place. I don't like that. But you have to kind of know your place. And, you know, what Terry Bradshaw used to say about how hard it was, you know, those glory days with the Steelers, yet Franco Harris wanted the ball, Len Swan wanted the ball, John Stallworth wanted the ball, and they were all bitching and moaning, but they did it in a group where the cameras couldn't catch that. That, that was a no-no Steeler way back then. And I hear, oh, yeah, here we go, the Steeler way, here we back go. the old no, days. No, no, no. You had to answer to Joe Green and Jack Lambert if, if you behaved like that on the sideline. Now, they, you, didn't, you didn't do that. But Again, I give Andy Reid a lot of credit for. I mean, again, the pictures I saw, he's just you know, it, 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 it look, he's ignoring it. He's just you know, he's getting screamed at. I mean, just absolutely rah, rah, screamed at, and he's just you know, you can almost he's like, mm-hmm, what's my next play going to be? You know, <laughs> you're right, Howard. He really he really did well with that. And I give him credit for that. But I think that's another example of how I'm, I I don't know a whole lot about Travis Kelsey. I really don't. But I think that it's another example that that maybe. His star will be a little bit in in eclipse, but he'll be. I mean, he's part of a Super Bowl team, so that's a big deal. See, I think it's another indicator. He's just sick of her. He's just so frustrated. He and he took it out on his coach. Why were they showing pictures of her up there? That's I'm what he's sick was, of her. That's what he's saying to Andy. Why is she up there? Why are they showing her pictures up there? Why didn't she stay in Japan? <laughs> Nine thirty nine twenty one to the hour here. Watchdog Morning Show. Taylor Long did not stay in Japan or anywhere else. She stayed right here in the Ohio Valley. In fact, in the Ohio Valley newsroom of WTRF. TV where she brings us headlines right now. A lot of people don't know this, Howard. Taylor Swift was named after Taylor, Taylor Long. Long. Did you know that? I did not know that. Good Monday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this February the 12th. Breaking news from overnight. Two people were sent to the hospital in a Sunday night highway crash in Wheeling. Wheeling police say the accident involved a vehicle at full occupancy that happened at the ramp of US 250 northbound to I-70 westbound. Officials say the call came in around 11:10. One person was reportedly ejected from the vehicle while another person was trapped and had to be removed from the vehicle. The entrance 1B ramp was closed immediately following the incident. And continuing coverage this morning, officials are investigating after an early morning fire from over the weekend. The blaze broke out at a home on State Route 152 in the Knoxville area in Jefferson County. According to officials, there were no reported injuries, but the home was completely destroyed. Crews spent several hours on scene to put out hot spots. Stay with 7 News for updates. And looking across the mountain state, a program that currently helps 23 million households pay for Internet service has stopped taking new applications as funding is about to run out this spring. The Affordable Connectivity Program can pay 30 to $75 per month to pay for Internet. The Biden administration has requested $6 billion from Congress to keep the program going. 
West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito is in favor of extending the funding, especially since over 100,000 West Virginians use it. But she also stresses the program needs to have accountability. Capito says lawmakers are looking at ways to get funds from the money collected through the Universal Service Fund, which is managed by the FCC. Stay with 7 News for updates. And the Mountain State is facing a rising suicide rate, ranking 10th highest in the U.S. However, increased calls to the new suicide prevention hotline 988 suggest more people are seeking help. The hotline's calls have doubled within a year, not due to increased depression, but likely due to the easy-to-remember number and its promotion. That was a look at your headlines. Have a marvelous Monday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Motto Mortgage Valor is a locally owned and operated mortgage brokerage where they can shop your loan to multiple lenders with just one credit pull. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or a real estate investor looking to expand your portfolio, they have you covered. Connected to a large network of lenders and a vast selection of loan products, they can match your unique needs and qualifications with the perfect loan options available. Unlike banks and retail lenders, they have access to an expansive menu of loan products and credit scenarios to help a wider range of borrowers and investors. Motto Mortgage Valor, offering you more loan products than anyone in the area. Call 304-905-8525. The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment, too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas, featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70 at the top of the hill, the Highlands. Is your business protected from cyber threats? In today's world, it's more important than ever to have a cybersecurity plan in place. But with so many different solutions out there, it can be hard to know where to start. That's where Omni Strategic Technologies comes in. We're a technology support firm with a strong focus on cybersecurity. We have a team of local experts who can help you assess your risks, develop a plan, and implement the right tools to serve and protect your business. If you want to get serious about cybersecurity, choose Omni Strategic Technologies for the peace of mind knowing that your business is protected and prepared. On FM, on AM, online, on demand, and on video. We are where you are. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe is here now. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. I want to shoot. Down. 17 to the hour, Watchdog Morning Show. We're looking at 30 degrees right across the board. 30 at the airport, 30 at the Highlands, 30 in Elm Grove, 30 here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. Uh, partly cloudy, a high of 50 today. Some rain comes in this evening into the after, into the uh, overnight hours, and that could be snowy tomorrow morning. So here's the here's the, uh, the the situation. Just got worried my car's done, so I have a car to come in tomorrow. Unless it's too snowy. You'll give me the alert, right? Alert, Howard. Alert. Danger, Howard Monroe. Danger. Uh, we started this morning with Super Bowl conversation. want to wrap things up. Just a couple more stats and figures. If you had a Super Bowl party, um, you were part of 112.2 million Americans who threw Super Bowl parties yesterday. 
So you had a party. It was just a party of one, but you had a party. Right? <laughs> just me, Howard. We had a party in our house. It was a party of two, just Nancy and I, but we had a party. Nancy well, made next year, maybe the three of us can get We'll together. have a party of three. <laughs> so Nancy made uh, made some shrimp, which I always love, and then she made um, uh, pizza dip. That uh, is a special dip that we usually make only for New Year's Eve. We made last. So it was good. I, I enjoyed myself. That was fine. Uh, 112.2 million people will uh, throw or attend a Super Bowl party. Um, here's some numbers at the party. One and a half billion chicken wings were eaten during the parties. One and a half billion chicken wings. Ten million pounds of ribs. 11.3 million pounds of potato chips. 250 million pounds of avocados? Is that a Super Bowl? That's not me. No, not me either. 35% increase in pizza orders on Super Bowl Sunday. That's easy, but when I you know, I came by uh, DiCarlo's a couple times yesterday, you know, uh, it didn't seem, didn't seem it, crowded. It, and there was another, I thought, man, this place is going to be packed. Right. It, it just wasn't. Uh, how much beer sold? A lot of beer. 50 million cases. 50 million cases. 90% more beer is consumed on Super Bowl Sunday than on the average day. Yeah, well, no kidding. I thought you were going to say the biggest day of the year, but it's, I guess it's not. It, well, it doesn't say that. I, maybe it is. Day. Maybe yeah. it is. No uh, kidding. Yeah. And, of course, the number that I started off the show with this morning, 18.8 million Americans missing work today. Listening to us right now because they didn't go to work. <laughs> They're just, just now waking up, exactly. And only I, I surely wish I had been one of them. I, not so bad. I'm kind of awake now, but, man, coming in this morning, I was just I was just beat. Um what were we Googling during the Super Bowl? Some interesting things. You Is want it, to look at my Google search hours? No. That no, don't, no, don't do that. No, no, no. You don't want to read that on you know, We don't want to read that one on the air. Uh, during the first half of the Super Bowl, lots of people were Googling lowest scoring Super Bowl. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that was five years ago. 16 total points in Super Bowl 53. That's a low scoring game. Patriots beat the Rams 13-3 to that year. So I remember falling asleep. Lowest lowest scoring Super Bowl. Uh, and then, not surprisingly, by the time we got to the end of the game, the searches for Super Bowl overtime rules increased 4,200% after the regulation. And I'm the one, should, one of those that should have been looking at the rules because I, I had it all messed up. But, no, you know, again, this is only the first time or second time. First, first time since they put the new rules in effect, right? They, they use these new overtime rules. Maybe well, the second. They've modified them a little bit, yes, and I, I didn't get that memo. But, I mean, so I get it. Everybody's going, oh, what's happening here? You know. So we Googled 4,200% higher Googling of Super Bowl overtime rules. Let's see. And finally, the best question some people Googled, why do football players have tails? It turns out people misspelled the word towels. And said tails instead. The answer is, I guess, because they sweat a lot. I don't know. So that's what the Google tells us. We were looking up during the Super Bowl game. I cannot speak for what Slider was looking at on Google during the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, you, you don't want to talk about that. 948, it does until the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Hello, West Virginia. This is Congressman Alex Mooney. West Virginia spending should reflect West Virginia values. That's why I always work to be your conservative fiscal watchdog in Washington, voting against tax increases and cutting government spending, all while looking after our hardworking families. Liberals continue to harm middle and working class Americans with rampant inflation, 
all the while going around Congress to send our tax dollars overseas. I will continue to do everything in my power to rein in this White House's policies and keep the power in the hands of the people where it belongs. I'm Congressman Alex Mooney. If you have questions about how your tax dollars are being spent, I want to hear from you. Call my local office at 304-264-8810 or visit my website at mooney.house.gov. Pay for with official funds from the office of Alex Mooney. My name is Waleed Garib. I'm an interventional cardiologist at WVU Reynolds Memorial Hospital. One thing that I would like people in this Ohio Valley and across West Virginia and really across the country to know, the goal of healthcare is not to help you get by. It's not just to keep you alive. It's to help you thrive. And if we can get you back to your 100% potential, that's our goal. And we're going to keep working at it until we get as close to it as possible. Race to savings on your next project at Menards. Blue Def diesel exhaust fluid is engineered to help all SCR system diesel vehicles reduce emissions and improve fuel economy. It's colorless, odorless, and non-toxic and can save you money on costly repairs. Get a two and a half gallon jug today and save $4 after rebate now at Menards. Good through February 18th. Savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Watchdog Morning Show, 30 degrees pretty much everywhere here in the upper Ohio Valley. For two guys who started the morning half asleep, <laughs> we we made it through pretty good today. I, a lot of good stuff today. Thanks to David Croft for coming into the studio and for bringing us food. I Deep love the croissants, but uh, thanks for coming in. Good conversation about the later start time possibility at Wheeling Park High School. Uh, thanks to our other guests uh, who were here as well, including uh, Dick Gibson from the Chicago, who was one of the uh, wrote the book about Chicago's modern mayors, and our two guests from uh, University of Maryland who talked about uh, partisanship in everything we do, including how we pick our Super Bowl snacks. Democrats and Republicans pick them different. If you want to check out any of the interviews of the morning or the conversation that Bob and I had about the Super Bowl, go to our website, watchdognetwork.com. All of the podcasts are up there on the podcast page. Or go to Apple Podcasts, and you can listen on your own time any way you would like to uh, when you would like to. Uh, nine before the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Uh, got another busy day tomorrow, though, I'll tell you. We're going to, of course, start talking about Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is Wednesday. We'll take some time to, to talk about that. Uh, our friend Tom Scateri is in. He's Tom's with us every Tuesday. Tom reports from the Pentagon, and uh, he got into a dust-up yesterday with the Pentagon press spokesperson who was not happy with questions that Tom was asking. And uh, he said, well, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You don't have the right information. And Tom pulled up the information. Said, well, actually, sir, it, it's, it's, it's right here. And the guy from the Pentagon said, well, I'm glad I can provide entertainment for you. So we'll talk about Tom's dust-up with the Pentagon uh, coming up tomorrow. Also, the defense secretary back in the hospital again, but this time he told the president. Well, it wasn't a secret. Huh? It wasn't a secret anymore. And then, uh, Bob, you and I are both looking forward to this tomorrow. Sean McCracken is with us. I really am looking forward he to Sean. He is the producer and frequent anchor of the YouTube video series called 
un, no, not explained. Mysterious WV. There you got it. Mysterious WV. A look at uh, unsolved mysteries around the Mountain State, um, and and in nearby areas. Um, uh, I, one of the the longtime stories, unsolved mysteries, he did was in Ohio. In East Liverpool was that the no, one? No, I forget where it was. Uh, anyways, uh, the the detective who was on the case says the case has been solved, and he's going to talk about it a little bit more. Ah. So, so Sean will be on tomorrow. But I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's a really fun series. Uh, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's a YouTube series. It's not like watching Dateline NBC or something. But I've watched every one of them, and that's going to come back to get me, Howard, because they all kind of blend in a little bit. You know, it's like, well, I, it doesn't jump out. I don't know which one you're talking about because I've I've seen them all. Let's go to Bob Westfall from the Big Seven, WTRF-TV. Bob, did you win any Super Bowl bets yesterday? Um, actually, I'm now independently wealthy. Okay. So. <laughs> See, I'm a little nervous. I gave my uh, – Slider and I went over for lunch at the casino. Had a great lunch. He treated me to lunch. Wonderful time. Uh, and then I had to run out, and he was going to hang around and do some betting. I said, well, look, take my credit card and place a $2 bet on, on uh, you know something for me. Um, and now he's been a little bit afraid to tell me how that turned out because I'm not sure that the bet was two dollars. But I have to wait until we get off the air before I can find out what happened to my money and to my credit. Although that could explain why Bob, I got a note from Apple Card said your credit card has been locked. Yes, <laughs> so uh, I want to tell you. We'll talk about it after the show. We'll talk about that after the show. Okay. Did you have a Super Bowl party? Any uh, either yourself or I had friends over? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was nice. Yeah. I mean. What'd you have for what? What's your food? You know, I care about food. What did you have for your snacks? Uh, I was gonna say, are, are we hungry already? Or always, always. Um, you know, pizza, wings, uh, chips, yeah. tortilla chips, and salsa, and all that kind of fun stuff. Was super, you uh, super well fun? Was you rooting for the Chiefs? You know what? I kind of uh, wasn't. I was kind of rooting for the 49ers, but. It's kind of like when your team's not in it, you just like kind of hope for a good game, and we really got one on that one. Um, I could have gone either way. Um, I'm a Seahawks fan, so you know if, if the 49ers won, we could have said, "Oh, well, you know what? We got beat by the Super Bowl champs twice this season," <laughs> and so on and so forth. And um, and I think I think we may I have to go back and look at our schedule. I think we may have beaten Kansas City this year, so now we can say we beat the Super Bowl champs. So yeah. kind of six to one, half dozen the other. But um, yeah, I mean, just for a good game, I hate I hate when people say that. But this particular year, pretty much was it, just a decent game. Well, you guys uh, were uh, busy this weekend. I know Scott worked all day the uh, OVAC Boys uh, Basketball Championship yeah. game. He worked every one of them, I believe. And then I was at the West Virginia State Hockey Championships uh, yesterday evening, and Dugan was there. Uh, Bob, you guys were everywhere. They're everywhere. Oh yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, we had. Uh, uh, a lot of good people in last night too, uh, especially for our, our eleven o'clock, which actually probably came around about midnight uh, newscast. <laughs> a lot of good pro, uh, stuff on that one. Uh, Strushen's update on that col- that case out of Belmont County. Uh, Bailey Martin did a fantastic uh, piece with Gene Senator, Senator of of the NFL referee um, piece last night. Uh, he's with CBS now as as their rules analyst. Uh, she did a fantastic piece on that last night. Um, so it was a it was a good Super Bowl night. Uh, we went out to Schlepp's uh, this weekend. Uh, uh, McKivitz is uh, one of his favorite haunts That's when nice. he's back in town. He's on the 49ers. So uh, really huge Super Bowl weekend. So really fun. And uh, I feel better about myself because the Super Bowl uh, halftime show, I knew every one of those performers, so I don't feel old. So that worked out well. 
<laughs> I knew him. I, I have no strong feeling one way or another. I, you know, it was, it was the, the, the uh, halftime entertainment didn't excite me. It didn't make me angry. It was just, okay. It was just there. It was, it was fun, but I knew him. You're right. You're right. At least yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was one of more, one of the more well done sh- sh- halftime shows in a while. So uh, I thought it was pretty good. Time running short here. Tell me what you're working on today. Any Super Bowl right. follow up, or are we done? With uh, a little now? bit uh, yeah. dealing with that. Uh, just see what the fallout is on that. But we'll see what uh, sports has when it comes to that. Uh, some other things we're working on. I just got word of a court hearing this afternoon, one thirty, in a federal court. Uh, all we know right now is change of plea for Jeffrey Morris in that case. So uh, we will have someone in the federal court for an update on that. Uh, going to do a preview of the Chef's Auction. It is back. It returned last year. Now it's back with full force. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a preview of that today. Jake uh, McLaughlin is going to have that. Uh, Jake also has a pretty cool story of Bill Schwarzfeger out of uh, Fallensby, 100 years old today, uh, World War II wow. vet. Um, so that will be fantastic. Uh, DK is in court this morning and not for herself. I was saying, you don't mean DK is in court. You mean poor she's, DK. She's covering court. Okay, I got you. She's covering court. <laughs> Uh, ben Watson sentencing is a convicted rapist out of Belmont County, so we'll get a sentencing on that today. And then a, kind of an update on the Metzlers. This is a hoarding case uh, out of Belmont County as well, so we're going to get an update on that. Tonight, uh, first of four workshops for the comprehensive plan for the city of Wheeling. Uh, Bailey Martin will be covering that, and then there will be a debate. Actually, it's not a debate. It's a meet the candidates uh, for the U House House 6th District, uh, those wanting to take uh, over for Bill Johnson. Um, so those are some of the things we're working on today. People can check it out at noon, 5, 6, 10, 11, 5.30, the region-wide show. Always at WTRF.com, the award-winning website. Or carry Channel 7 in your pocket with uh, the Storm Tracker 7 app and the News app with you on your smartphone or tablet. You're always informed when you do that. Bob, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. See you, Bob. Bye-bye. Let's see. Off the Frio Stack uh, Auction Service text line, Howard, it's called guacamole. I, I don't know. Did I... We were you were going over the the foods and that was on the list and when you and I both went yuck. Okay, all right. I didn't. I don't. It's how tired I am. I don't, I don't even remember saying that. Um, all right, and that's it. Hop the uh, the text line. That's it for this morning. Busy day tomorrow. Stick around. We'll, uh, Hoppy is coming up next. Uh, it is a Monday, so we have Seth and we have the Pine Room guys. Uh, it's going to be a busy day here. And then we've got a game for you tonight. And then tomorrow morning, Bob and I back again, 7 o'clock, another go-around of this big gig, a busy day. Um, We'll be sharing all kinds of fun and interesting information with you, unless it snows, in which case I may be home. (laughs) It's 10 o'clock. Y'all have a great weekend. Great day. See you tomorrow.